Matthew 22:42 is our question. Um, what do you think about the Christ? We're, we've been talking about questions this um, this quarter, obviously, because it's called questions from the new, great questions from the New Testament. Here's here's another one that, that we're going to talk about. But before we get into the lesson, I I asked some people if I could borrow their phone, but it wasn't working for me. But I tested out. We tested out some of these questions that you can ask um, Siri. I don't know if you have iPhones, um, but but if I said, "Hey Siri," Did anyone's phone go off? Doug, did, yours didn't? Do you, you talk to Siri? Or do you ha- not have an iPhone anymore? No. Um, so like adamantly, no. Um, anyway, so, so I went through and asked Siri some questions that I found. And um, questions like, what does Siri mean? And if you ask Siri, and, and we did test it out, then you will get this answer from her. Siri is a, is a S-I-R-I, is, comes with an iPhone, and you can ask this computer-generated female voice things, and she will direct you to answers, internet situations, or just give you an answer. So what does Siri mean? The answer, if you ask, it's a, she'll say, it's a riddle wrapped in an enigma tied with a pretty ribbon of obfuscation. Obfus- off, obfuscation. It's a mystery. And so she'll answer that. And, and I've seen it. I've heard it. Um, Roger Shaver helped me last quarter and. Certainly. Okay, so then what's zero divided by zero? You ask Siri this, and Siri's going to answer, imagine that you have zero cookies and you split them evenly among zero friends. How many cookies does each person have? See, it doesn't make sense. And Cookie Monster's sad that there are no cookies, and you're sad that you have no friends. That's Siri's answer to that. Um, and test it out sometimes. Just ask, who let the dogs out? Remember that song? Okay, and then it'll stick in your head for the rest of the night if you remember that song. So her answer to who let the dogs out, due to unforeseen circumstances, that witticism has been retired, which is a good thing, which is a good thing. Okay, and this isn't a question, but if you asked, if you told Siri, I need to hide a body, what do you think she says? She says, what, again? There's a sense of humor. And finally, so Siri is iPhone uh, voice that you can ask questions. You can say, okay, Google, that hit it? No? My goodness. So if you have an Android, you, you can say, okay, Google to it, and it'll open up the same, the same thing. If you said, okay, Google to Siri, she would say, very funny. I mean, not funny, ha-ha, but funny. And so that's kind of a neat a uh, little thing that you can do w- w- with asking questions or making statements. But this question that we're talking about tonight is not a silly question. It's not, it doesn't have a funny answer. It has a serious answer because it's a serious question. And uh, Matthew uh, 22:42. what do you think about the Christ? Now, the situation in chapter 22, Jesus is having, he just got through, t- at the beginning of, the, of 22, he tells a parable. And then he gets done telling the parable, and then he's asked a series of questions from different people. And, and the first question from the Pharisees, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? And they're trying to trap him, and that's their goal, is to kind of mess him up, trip him up. And so his answer is, what, what does he do? Do you remember? He takes a coin, and he says, who, who, whose likeness is on that coin? It's, whose? Caesar's, and then he makes that statement, you know, uh, render to Caesar who, who it's due to. So you pay taxes, you pay, uh, well, not taxes, but you, this is, this is Caesar. So, so uh, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar? Absolutely. 
Um, another question, 28, 22. Sadducees, therefore in the resurrection, whose wife of the seven shall he be? For they all had her. Who are they talking about? Well, there were seven brothers. They said, there was among us a brother who had a wife, and he died. And so his brother married the wife, and he died, and on and on and on seven times. And then they say, uh, they ask, therefore in the resurrection, whose wife of the seven will, will she be? And he answers, um, it's not about people. It's not about human form. They'll be like angels, and, and they, there won't be marriage and stuff. That's a very loose, loose paraphrase. But then this Pharisee lawyer, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Well, what, what is it? Love the Lord, and then he adds to it, then, then, then love your brother, love, love the, your neighbor. And so he, he's getting questions. And you know, from, from our study in John, if you've been there on Sunday mornings, um, when we went through John, do you remember that Jesus would get to ask a series of questions? And, and again, the, 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 object, the, the, the objective is to trip him up. And so many times you might remember that as he's being asked these questions, what does he do? He asks a question... That really doesn't have anything on the surface. It doesn't have anything to do with what they were asking. He just, it's like he changes the subject all of a sudden. And, and I love that. That was so entertaining in John. They're going along a line of questioning and then he just comes out with this thing, with this, with this uh, question. And that's what he says. So they're asking the question, um, is it lawful to pay taxes? Whose wife shall, will she be? What's the great commandment of the law? And so out of the blue, seemingly, he says, ah, oh, what do you think of the Christ? Whose son is he? And it's just, I mean, all of a sudden, out of the blue, seemingly. And so he finally asked him a question. What do you think? Now, the situation, we see that, that question, what do you think about the Christ? And who do we know he's talking about? Himself. What about these people? What about the Pharisees and the Sadducees? They have no... What do you think about the Christ? So, so they hear, the question before this had been... Um, you know, what's, what's the greatest command? What's the greatest, what the great commandment in the law? And so along the lines of doctrine and what these Jewish people have been taught all their lives, and Jesus asked these Pharisees, these highly educated people, what do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? And so he asked them a question that they're hearing doctrine, that they're hearing teaching and, and stuff. And we, we need to remember that, that but this question... It's I say it's very important, but you can use a phrase. It's eternally important that we ask, answer this question, we get it right, and we are committed to our answer. We'll talk about it in just a moment. But this question, it's a cornerstone of our faith. And I say that because scriptures like Isaiah 28, 16, Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion a stone for a foundation, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not act hastily. So, so, so there's something to believe about this cornerstone. We know, we know that Isaiah is talking about who again? Talking about Christ. Christ is a cornerstone. Uh, what do we build on the corner? He's a foundation. We build our spiritual lives on this. We base it on him being the cornerstone, the, the, the foundation. And that's why I'm saying foundation. Ephesians 2.20, having built, been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. What is a cornerstone? What do you know about a cornerstone? You can just tell me. I, uh, From a Randy. Yes. 
Yeah, from a construction standpoint, it's where you begin. It, it's it's your standard. It, it's your it's your north. It, it's it's it has to be perfect. Has to be right. Um, you, you've got to to get that correct in order for the not just. And I can't imagine. I mean, I don't. I can't fathom being in charge. Is that cornerstone correct? Does it look good? Yeah, it looks good to me. Um, I can't. I can't imagine that. Um, but but you see buildings. All over the edifices, um, all over the place that are right. Well, Jesus is the perfect cornerstone for building upon. And so we think about this idea, this question, and we have to understand that our belief or unbelief in Christ will determine what? Where our souls spend eternity. We believe in that or we don't believe in it. And I say that because John 18, 8, 24, Therefore I said to you that you will die in your sins. If you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. It's a warning. It's a warning, but it's also a, a, a blessing if you read it right. It's, it's a warning. You will die in your sin. But what's, what's the opposite? If you do believe in me, you won't die in your sins. Well, now we know that just believing isn't enough. We act on that belief, but it starts out with belief. The first step is to believe, and then, and then you won't die in your sins. Matthew 10, 32 through 33 Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. Whoever denies me before men, him I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. Well, why would you confess him? Why? Because you believe in him. What about him? That he's the cornerstone, that you're going to build your spiritual life on him. Based And so when you read the question, what do you think about the Christ? Well, I think he's the cornerstone. I think he's the foundation. I think he's the most important piece in my life that I'm building upon. The cornerstone of our faith. Now, there's no, sorry about the picture, but he's, what's he doing? Or she, it's a she, definitely a she. Um, it is utterly a she. Uh, what? What is that cow doing? Trying to straddle the fence. Trying to eat on the other side. Trying to eat on the other side of the fence with the comment. But we can't straddle the fence on this. We can't, well, I kind of believe in him, but, but not completely. At the end of the lesson, I'm going to present uh, a little problem that C.S. Lewis put out there uh, you know, a long time ago uh, in his writings. But you can't straddle the fence. Either you believe in him or you don't. You believe he's the cornerstone or you don't. You're going to build on him or you're not. It, you can't straddle the fence. We have to come up with an answer and we have to stick by that answer. So, what are the choices? Well, you follow up with this question. It's a two-part question. So we focused in 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 uh, we focused on that on the first part of that question in in forty two. I mean, there there are two questions in there. So, uh, what do you think about the Christ? And what's the second question? Whose son is he? Whose son is he? It's a two-parter. Well, then, how do you answer that question? Well, how, what do the Pharisees say? Again, remember that the Pharisees are thinking, well, he's talking about doctrine, he's talking about teaching, he's talking about the way that we've been trained. And so their answer um, is the son of David, 2242. Now, were they wrong? Not at all. They were not wrong. But they weren't completely right. And in their minds, they had it right as far as who the Christ will be. And, and I believe that's what they heard him say. Not, not, he, he wasn't referring to himself in their minds. 
He was referring to the Christ that will come in their minds are thinking. And so who will he be? And their answer, the son of David. They weren't con- completely wrong. And why? We know this because Romans 1, 3. Concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was born of the seed of David, according to the flesh. And then we have uh, genealogies from, from David, uh, uh, you know, before David, but the uh, Davidic genealogy. So Jesus was born of the seed of David. They're not wrong, but they're not thinking about the Christ. Um, and notice that according to the flesh. So he was flesh. What is flesh? What is flesh? He, 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 he was incarnate. He was he was a man who was who was born of a woman who uh, he was flesh. Now, now Matthew sixteen thirteen. When Jesus came to the region of uh, Caesarea Philippi, he he asked his disciples, saying, "Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am?" Interesting. Because that's part of the question that we, who, who is a Christ? What do you think of the Christ? Um, whose son is he? Well, he's David's son. Who do, you, who, who do you men say that I am, I the son of man am? And um, so he was flesh, the son of man. And then John 1, 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. In other words, he existed among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And we'll land on that idea in a moment. But, but he's the cornerstone, yes. And he, he's God's son, yes. But he's, but he's the son of man, son of David, yes. And, and they were right because that's, I mean, that, that was a right answer. But they just didn't, I don't think they saw the whole picture. Well, what about him being a man? Well, he was tempted. Remember the temptation story in four in chapter four of Matthew one through eleven. He was tempted. What does it mean to be tempted? Well, it means that there are certain things that are going to be put before us when we're tempted. Certain things, certain people, certain situations are put before us, and we want them. We want to experience it. We want them. We want to have them. We we want them in our lives, and and we know that they're wrong, but we want them so badly. We're being tempted. Well, what's the difference? And and I've had this conversation with people in the past. I need to ask for forgiveness because I was tempted. I don't know. That, that, did you fall into temptation and sin? No, no, no. I was just tempted. Great. You haven't done it. But we're all tempted. And so, so he was, Jesus was tempted. In, in what ways? In what ways? He experienced hunger in, in Matthew 4, 2. Because, why? I mean, why would he? Because he's, he's human. On the cross, he said, I thirst. He experiences thirst. John 19, 28. He, he is thirsty. And, and why? Because he's human. He's flesh. He's, he's, born, of, he's born of man. And we, we, we believe, is he God? Yes, we'll talk about that. But he's also flesh. What else? Um, he, he, uh, he felt the need to pray to God. Matthew 26, 36. He, he went and prayed hard. Not just a little bit, but and we read other scriptures. He went to pray as his as was his custom. Je- Jesus was a praying man, and he felt that he felt that need. Um, and so, uh, and, and that's twenty six thirty six. Then Jesus came to them, uh, came came with them to a place called Gethsemane, and said to the disciples, "Sit here while I go and pray over there." 
So they weren't wrong about Jesus being a man, but they weren't completely right. He was also God's only son. And we also we already looked at scripture that said that God's only son. So he was flesh, born of man, born of David. He, I mean, in the lineage of David, he, he was tempted. He experienced human experiences. And now we read that he's God's only son. So Jesus has some more questions uh, in Matthew 22, 43 through 46. He has. Some, so. So what's the answer in 42? Uh, son of David. He, he's he who the son of who do what do you think of Jesus? Um, whose son is he? He's he's the son of David. And then he goes on in forty three through forty six. Um, he says to them. Now listen. If you're already there, great. Uh, and if you're get if you get there, I mean, getting ready to get there. I'll give you a few seconds to get to Matthew twenty four. I mean twenty two, forty three through forty six. If I read my slide. So he said to them in 43, how then does David in the spirit call him Lord, saying, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies a footstool. You might have a footnote to tell you where this is from, and I'll tell you in a second. If David then calls him Lord, how is he his son? So what was So what's he saying? Well, I'll I'll I'll. Uh, Explain that in a second, but what's he saying? Now, now, this comes from Psalm 110 that Jesus is talking about that, up there. That the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. In, in Acts uh, chapter 2, 30, 34 and 35, um, Peter refers to this, uses the same scripture. And, and so this is, it's prophetic, but Jesus asked them this question how then does David and the Spirit call him Lord? What is his argument? Um, since I existed before David, I'm more than the son of David. Which kind of probably blew their minds, I believe. Is he flesh? You're the son of David. Yes, that's right. But then if I'm only the son of David, if that's all that I am, then what? Well, from David's lineage, who else? Were some of the people from David's lineage and on, just off the top of y'all's heads, I know that you know some names from David's lineage. Sorry? Solomon? What else? Who else? Saul? Is that what you said? Who else? So, so, so is, is, and Jesus is saying, I'm not just like, I'm not just a Solomon. I'm not just, I'm not just someone else. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a Rahab. <laughs> um, and, you know, you can, you can fill in, uh, I'm not just like someone else, he says, because I existed before time. I will exist after time has ended um, because eternity has no beginning and no end. And so he Christ existed before time and after time stops existing. So. Who is Jesus? That's another question. Who is Jesus? Who? We could, we could spend the rest of that. Um, what's the song we sing? Jesus' name above all names. And then we give some names that are biblical names in that song. Why? And we, to, to, if we were to use all the names of Christ in that song, <laughs> how long would that song be? Well, what are some th- what are what are some names that Jesus is, re- is used to refer to him? I mean, some words that are used to refer to Jesus. Um, we already sa- said uh, um, cornerstone. 
What else? Master? Messiah? Savior? Sorry? The door? I am? Um, sorry? The light? Yes. Um, the, the living well, the living bread, the, the, uh, and on and on and on. He has, who is Jesus? Well, we could spend the rest of the night just throwing out names that we know about him. We spend the rest of the night looking at scripture and those, those, those words. But who is Jesus? Well, and we're just going to mention a few tonight as we, as we start the process of we, of, and we've still got some stuff to do, but the process of circling around, uh, to land. And so we start with, he's God's only son. We already looked at, at John chapter 1, uh, but this is 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He, we beheld his glory, the glory as the only bego- as a, of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. What does that mean? Well, God has one son. How long has he existed? For eternity. But this is his only son. It's not one of his many sons, one of his few sons, one of his uh, a son and, and, and daughter. It is God's only son. Um, the Holy Spirit was involved. Luke 1, 26 through 35, and we're just at the end of this section of 26 uh, through 35, 35. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also that the Holy One is to be born, uh, who is to be born will be called the Son of God, the Holy One. Holy Spirit's involved. Um, we, we call that the Trinity, the, the Godhead, um, the, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But but we under we try to understand that we won't. But so who is Jesus? He's God's only Son. Who else? He was God in the flesh. First Timothy three sixteen. Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. Hilarious statement if you think about it. Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. No controversy there. Um, people have been arguing about it, all, you know, since since Jesus came. And before, who is God? Well, is God exist without controversy? Great is the mystery of godliness. Man was manifested in the flesh. Yes, justified in the spirit. You lost me there. Um, uh, so what about the Holy Spirit? And I mentioned before um, reading a, a book about the Godhead and the Holy Spirit. And, and the, uh, the statement that I read in college was y- you if you try to understand the Holy Spirit, you'll go crazy. I mean, if you try to. But if you don't try to, you go to hell. And, and, and that means that if you don't delve into the word and get the word in you and try to understand uh, who the Holy Spirit is, who the Godhead is, um, you, if you don't do that, you're not going in the right direction. You're going the wrong, just by the seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, world received up in glory. Who's this talking about? Who is Jesus? He's God in the flesh. He's God in the flesh. Uh, that's an amazing statement to, to, to make. He is God in the flesh. Now, um, we pointed out in John. No, 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 we pointed out. Eddie was talking about this not too long ago. Um, what about Jesus as a boy? Well, is he God? Yeah. Is he God in the flesh? Yeah. Um, but he's flesh. And so he has to grow and he grows in stature and he grows in, in reputation and, and he has to grow. But then he's. He's almighty. He's all powerful. And we read that. But look at that scripture. First Timothy 316 preached among the Gentiles, believed on the world, received up in glory as God in the flesh. Um, he's the brightness of God's glory. Beautiful uh, scripture in Hebrews one, three, who being the brightness of his glory in the express image of his person 
and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, the brightness of God's glory. <laughs> Your children growing up, hopefully, we, we use a phrase, the apple of eye, you love them, they brightened up your world for the most part. Um, they hit the teenage years. No, I'm just playing. You, you still love them no matter what. They, there are focus at times, maybe too much focus. But you can say uh, that is they are just the bright parts of our lives, the experiences we've had with children. And when we – and Tracy Lehman and I were talking about this not too long ago. She had she had her um, home movies of the kids put on put on DVD, and she had been watching them. And really enjoying them. Uh, and I was thinking, and then we have photo albums at home um, with, with all the kids growing up and stuff up till Remy. I don't think she has any. Um, but I don't like to look at those. Why? Because it's the way that it, it was back when I could do no wrong in their eyes. When, when they just, they, they, there was no turmoil except, did you poop your pants today? Um, you know, those problems that you, Teenagers don't hopefully don't have, um, but the apple of our eye, the brightness. We might say the not the brightness of our glory, but the brightness of our lives. But read the statement: the brightness of His glory. What does that mean to you? What about what? What does this teach you about Jesus and his and his relationship with God? When Jesus was baptized, what was the statement from God? Who who is this? This is my. Yeah, I'm, I'm really happy with it. I'm exceedingly happy. I am well pleased with him. That's how God feels about Jesus. The brightness of his glory. And, and, and we need to believe that. We need to understand that. Now, God acknowledges him as his son. And I, and, and I, and I say that because Jesus was confirmed to be the son of God. The son of man, God in flesh, and the son of God. Who's Jesus? Hopefully we understand that, believe it. He's the Son of God. And we read Matthew 3, 16 and 17. When he had been baptized, uh, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. He was baptized in the water, comes up, the heavens open up, the Spirit of God descending like a dove, and then God saying, this is my Son, my beloved Son, my only Son, and, and I am really happy with them. The disciples acknowledges him as Son of God. Matthew 14, 33. Then those who were with him in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. A disciple, a Jew, uh, someone who is trained in the Jewish religion, s makes this statement. That's huge. You're the Son of God. Who are the, Now, if I went to um, if I went to Ken and said, Ken, you're the Son of God, what would that be? Well, it'd be wrong. I'm calling him something that he's not. I'm referring to him as, as some, uh, by a name or by a title that only Jesus has and um, border on, the, on blasphemy if it's not already. Um, but we, there's only one Son of God and the disciples made that statement. You are, this, truly you are the Son of God. So God acknowledges him in Matthew and then, and then the disciples, who else acknowledges him? Evil spirits acknowledges him as the Son of God. Now, it might, you know, some people have a hard time acknowledging him as, as the Son of God. 
they, they want to separate him. And he's a good teacher. And he was he actually experienced he, he was he was alive on earth. But Matthew eight twenty nine suddenly they cried out saying, "What have we to do with you, Jesus, you Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? Before the time? You can talk about what the time means all you want to, but the point is, evil spirits acknowledged him as a son of God. Why would that matter? Well, one more, um, one more Satan." Knows he's the son of God. Matthew 4, 3. Remember he's being tempted. 1 through 11 of chapter 4. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you're the son of God, and he knows he's the son of God, command these stones to become bread. Well, Jesus is hungry at this point. But Satan recognizes him. He doesn't say if. He knows. I mean, he says if, but he knows who he's dealing with. How do we know? Well, why would he show up if he... I mean, that's who he's tempting. But... but this Satan acknowledges him as the son of God. Do we? What are the ramifications? When you acknowledge Jesus as the son of God, what, how will you live your life? I mean, just some of the, some of the uh, attributes of, a, of someone living as someone who believes that Jesus is the son of God. How will we live our lives differently? Or in what ways will you see that? We'll serve him. He's the son of God. Um, he died for us. We believe that. We'll, we'll mention that in a, in a second. But... We're going we're gonna to serve him. He's God incarnate. He's God in the flesh. He's cornerstone of our faith. He's a, he, he is born of man, yes, but, he's, but he is the son of God, God's only son. And, and evil spirits, disciples, God, Satan. Um, and then Christ makes this statement. John eleven four. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the son of God may be glorified uh, through it. So, he, he makes a statement. Lewis's trilemma. C.S. Lewis, you know who that is. You've, you've heard of him. Um, how do we, uh, our kids have heard of C.S. Lewis. How so? In what way? What, what did they? Yeah, ministers. But, but Huh? Yeah, the Narnia Chronicles and, uh, and uh, you know, my kids, can you read that again? Can you read that again? C.S. Lewis wrote some incredible stories for kids, but also incredible writings. And he, he, he made what, what people call the Lewis Trilemma. And he said Jesus is either one of three things. You remember this, lunatic, liar, or Lord. And you've heard Eddie reference this in, in sermons, Lord, liar, or lunatic. But lunatic... <laughs> Why would he be a lunatic if he wasn't God's son? How, how does that work? What did he say? He said he's God's son. What did he say? I'm, I am God. What else did he say? I, I came to heal. I came, came to die for you. And, and anyone who would live like that and not be the son of God, not be uh, really the Christ, is a lunatic. But he's also a liar. Because what's he claiming? To be God, to be the son of God, to be the savior, to be the Messiah. Um, and he's, if he's not, then he's lying. But if he is, then he's Lord. Another way of the Lewis trilemma, some, some people just narrow it down, boil it down to these. Either he's bad, either he's mad as in crazy, or he is, is God, or he's good. He's mad, bad, or good. He's liar, lunatic, or Lord. And we have to decide. 
We have to decide who is Jesus Christ and what are some of our choices? Either he is somebody or he's a nobody. We have to decide that and then live like that. Either he is the most important person in our lives or he's just an ins- insignificant. Now, people have proven that, you know, historians, he, he lived, but in our lives, he's just an in- insignificant person who just lived in history. Or he's the most significant. Those are our only two choices. Significant or insignificant. Um, our Savior lived, he, he is either our Savior who lived and who died for us or a man who only lived and died. And if he's just a man who lived and died, he was a lying lunatic. And so we have to make that choice and we have to decide that. And finally, he is our Lord or he's not our Lord. He, we're, we're, we're finished up. <laughs> People are getting ready to come in. He's our Lord or he's not our Lord. We have those choices. But I appreciate the, uh, the attention, if you, if you were able to hold it. Appreciate your input and when I ask for it. And we'll let these people in now. Um, thanks, y'all.